Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN. Our town's Dan Deerdorf had a Hall of Fame pro football career with the Cardinals that ended in 1983. And then he followed it up with a Hall of Fame broadcasting career. And Dan, after Saturday's Michigan-Ohio State game, he's been the analyst for Michigan football for the better part of the last decade. Dan is going to retire from his broadcasting career, too. And we wanted to get on and get Dan on and celebrate uh, this career. And uh, it's always fun to talk to you, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, too? Doing well. Uh, what's it like right now heading into Thanksgiving week? And it's always Michigan and Ohio State. But knowing this is going to be your last regular season broadcast. Well, it's, uh, uh, it's exciting because the game – uh, it really means something this year. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes you go into the game and uh, all it really means is that Ohio State is getting a tune-up before they uh, uh, go chase the national championship. It's it's kind of uh, uh, it, it's we've done it before, obviously, lots of times, but uh, the world seems to be a better place uh, in the Big Ten when Michigan and Ohio State are playing for all the marbles, and that's what's going to happen Saturday in Ann Arbor. That's the truth, Dan. It is better when both teams are good. And I, I'm sure now that the finish line is near, you've taken some time to reflect back on your time at the in the booth at Michigan. Do you have a favorite game or a favorite memory? Well, you know, the, it's really, uh, they're all kind of run together in the sense that, you know, for 43 consecutive years, I was in an NFL stadium every Sunday. Uh, 13 as a player, uh, 13 as a broadcaster. I never did a studio show. I never took a year off. I, every year for 43 years, every weekend uh, for me was the NFL. And to tell you the truth, until I get, went back to Ann Arbor and started calling uh, the Michigan games, I had forgotten how much fun it is and how – it's a uniquely different experience to be on a college campus on a Saturday afternoon. I, I've just thoroughly enjoyed being around the kids, being involved uh, back in the, the college atmosphere. It is, uh, it, I'm telling you, the tailgating just seems to be different. The bands, everything, it, uh, it's a totally different experience, and I've loved it. Dan, the other great thing about it is that you're doing radio and you don't have to wear a tie. <laughs> you got that right. I'm wearing a baseball cap and a and a golf shirt or a sweatshirt. Uh, I was like Pavlov's dog. I wasn't sure that I could talk without wearing a tie. I've never understood why they make the announcers wear ties. And uh, uh, 
But they're the only people in the entire stadium wearing ties. That's right. To be a little ridiculous to me, but uh, you're right. And and the beautiful the beautiful part about radio, and it's as you know, Randy, it's where I cut my teeth at Camo X, and it's where I really learned how to be a broadcaster. Um, in television, you're always uh, tasting the pictures. You don't have a choice but to talk about what the viewer is seeing at home. So you're, uh, you've just got to talk about what the, what the viewer at home is looking at, or else they're sitting there going, well, what game is this guy attending? Where is he? <laughs> the beauty of radio is you're free to talk about whatever you want to talk about. You, there's so much more uh, of a uh, casual atmosphere about a radio uh, broadcast that, uh, it, it's really been enjoyable these last eight years. And, Dan, w- when you started doing games in 1984, there were a lot of broadcasters, play-by-play and analysts, who would treat the game kind of like they were they were calling a real battle in a real war. And you lightened it up. You've had a lot of fun throughout the course of your career. And when I listen to a lot of radio broadcasts now, I believe that, that you and John Madden had such an influence on making football a lot more fun for the viewer and the listener. Uh, you know, I always tried to, uh, I always tried to pretend that I was talking to the guy sitting on the bar stool next to me, uh, and and the two of us uh, had our elbows on the bar, looking up at the TV, and just carrying on a conversation. I, I don't think people like being lectured to. I, I, I think sometimes analysis today has gotten. Uh, a, a little too technical uh, in that sometimes I think announcers are talking to each other or, or to the scouts or to the coaches and the average viewer doesn't have a clue what they're talking about. And uh, I never tried to do that. I, I, you're right, Randy. Thank you for noticing, but uh, you know, John was of the same school and, and let's face it. Uh, uh, I, you know, I tried to pattern of what I did a little a little more after the way John treated it, because who wouldn't look how successful he was. Yeah, it worked. Dan, I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago when you were talking about all of the Sundays that you spent in the NHL or excuse me, NFL, whether it was playing or whether it was in the booth and then your Saturdays were occupied with Michigan. You've been in football in some way, shape or form for many decades now, what's next fall going to be like for you when you don't have a game to call or you don't have any obligations? Uh, I know it's going to be really weird, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, but I'm very much looking. I'm actually going to take a, I'm going to take a fall trip. Uh, uh, You know, we're going to, we're going to go to the East coast and uh, do a little fall foliage tour and uh, uh, God willing, uh, uh, it's going to be different. I'll go to a couple games, but uh, it's going to be nice having uh, having a little more freedom. I I'm ready. It's uh, you know enough is enough. I've been uh, I, I look. I've spent my entire life without having a real job. So <laughs> I, 
I I know good fortune when I see it. Dan Deardorff with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, Dan, Michelle mentioned NHL, and I want you to describe, because there's a lot of people driving around that weren't around, and Michelle's one of those, in 1984, when your career... Mercifully, they weren't around. (laughs) No, because... I remember it because I, I was either listening to it or I was running the board or I was producing. I was doing something. But it was it 40 games? You did the football Cardinals. You did Mizzou. You did a ton of CBS plus the Blues, right? Well, Bob Hyland uh, wanted me on the air and uh, in any way possible. So he called me into his office one day and uh, I, I sat before the burning bush carrying on a conversation with, with Mr. Highland. And he said, I, I want you to do hockey. And, uh, uh, I, of course, you know, Dan Kelly did hockey. And I, I'm going, you want me to sit in the booth with Dan Kelly? He goes, yeah, you, you're not going to travel because I don't want you doing that, but you're going to do every home game with Dan Kelly. Uh, and, and so let's, when you're Dan Kelly's partner, uh, your job was to talk about this coming Saturday is calendar night, and next Tuesday is puck night, and next Thursday is bobblehead night. And I, I, I remember uh, a couple times uh, my promo would run over uh, into the faceoff, and uh, they'd have the faceoff, and, and I would go, and the Blues win the faceoff, and here's the voice of the Blues, Dan Kelly. I, I did that three or four times. We went to a commercial break, and, and Dan tells me to take off my headset. I take off my headset. He leans over and goes, hey, big boy, you have no idea who's winning the face-off. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. I, he was right. And uh, <laughs> oh, I, I tell you what, uh, I put on 20 pounds. Uh, that hockey season with Dan Kelly because his goal uh, after every game was to go out and eat a big steak as close to midnight as humanly possible. And we would frequent all these restaurants around town and, oh my God, what a great year that was. (laughs) Oh, Dan, that sounds like so much fun. We need to go back and find that audio. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, yeah, we do. You're going to hear Dan Kelly a lot, and then yeah, I, uh, you will, you would have heard in an entire hockey season, not one meaningful word came out of my mouth. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, Dan, I want to ask you about the state of the Michigan program. When you look at what Jim Harbaugh has been able to do, you see a lot of 10 win seasons. And I think a lot of programs would look at what he's been able to compile there and consider it as, as it a success, but he hasn't been able to beat his rivals. He hasn't won a national title. And so it always seems like the picture that's painted is that the Jim Harbaugh era is kind of a failure. But do you think that the expectations that have been placed on him are, fa- are fair? Or do you think that Michigan as a legacy program should have someone that can get them to a national championship or someone that can beat Ohio State consistently? Well, you know, I, I think college football is in a, uh, a strange place. It, it, if you're going to be a legitimate um, um, contender to win a national championship, uh, you have to, uh, you, I, you know, we could talk about this for a long time, but I don't know that Michigan, Michigan has uh, very strict academic standards. And 
uh, where a lot of teams get a lot of transfers. Uh, we don't because uh, our admissions department uh, uh, is a little more stringent in terms of, of, of screening people and all this and all that. If you look at Jim Harbaugh's record, um, uh, this is his seventh year. He, uh, this will be his fourth 10-win uh, season. Uh, you know, I, I know in Columbia and a lot of places, those are the kind of records you can only dream about. Do we have a problem with Ohio State? Uh, yes. Um, is it our fault? Um, I think sometimes you got to give the devil his due. Uh, everybody is having an Ohio State problem. Uh, they are uh, on a historic run, and they have it going, uh, and they're recruiting at a, a truly elite level. And uh, so I don't – yes, uh, would we love to beat Ohio State? Yes. Um, do we want to be Ohio State? Not necessarily. And, Dan, I get the sense that there's a lot of schools – Michelle has a great term, read the room. There's a lot of schools that think that they can be Alabama or they think they can be Clemson or they think they can be Ohio State. There's only a select few schools that are even capable of that, aren't there? Well, absolutely, because it's, you know, it's the old – it's not so much about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy and Joe's. And just all you have to do is just look at the rosters uh, that Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia have assembled, and, and they're nothing but four- and five-star uh, kids that, uh, you know, they, they, get the, uh, they get first dibs at the, uh, the best high school players in America. And, and once you get that rolling like that um, – uh, it is a, uh, you know, it is a, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to derail. And uh, I give them credit. And, uh, but there's, I, I just don't look, we're, we're going to be a huge underdog on Saturday, uh, even though, uh, um, you know, we're have the same record that Ohio State does. We're both 10 and one. We'll be huge underdogs. That's, that's fine with me. Uh, that's why you play the game. We got our guys are on scholarship too. We're going to show up. Dan, a couple of more things. Number one, uh, we have the great good fortune of when you went to CBS, having you do games of the greatest show on turf. When CBS would come into town to do those games, it was you and Greg Gumbel. And I tell people that even though we lost the Rams, what we did have was probably as good a four or five year slice of football as any fan base has ever had. And certainly they ever will have. Do you agree with me that if we would get another team, it could never be as good as the greatest show on turf? Well, I mean, you hate to say that it's not possible, but yes, that was an extraordinary uh, three or four seasons that the Rams put together. The entertainment value was was off the charts, uh, and and you know, look at the the caliber of the player they had. It was it was lightning in a bottle. And you're right, not you know, Kansas City is is having that right now with what they've got going on offensively over there, and uh, I, but the good news is, Randy, I, I don't think anybody in St. Louis took it for granted. We knew what we were watching when it was going on. Uh, we we kind of scratched our heads and went, <laughs> "Where the? How did it happen?" But by God, we we knew it when we saw it. That was great football. And I, I don't want to be 
completely negative here, but I just don't think that the product that the NFL puts out on the field can be that good. A lot of the hits that the Rams dished out and took in those days, part of what made the NFL what it was, they've been legislated out of the sport. I just think it's a different game now. Well, it's, uh, you know, a lot of the rules have been uh, uh, with player safety in mind. Uh, And and I do – I do applaud their effort in that regard. You do not see, you don't see wide receivers getting skewered uh, with, with the, you know, the hits that were commonplace uh, when I played uh, with, you know, lowering the head, hitting with the crown of the helmet. Th- those are good that they've been legislated out of the game. Um, it, it's uh, the guys, the, the, the athletes that play now uh, uh, are, are pretty extraordinary. What I don't understand is they've changed the rules to the point where it's sumo wrestling at the line of scrimmage, and it's all geared towards uh, the offense. Why anyone would want to play defensive back in the NFL right now is beyond me. It is what a miserable job. No doubt. Hey, Dan, before we let you go, you're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a player and as a broadcaster, Michigan Hall of Fame, Ohio Hall of Fame. Uh, You've had a a stellar broadcasting career. Obviously, your football career was completely different. But from your broadcasting career, what are you most proud of? If somebody would have told you, Dan, you had this career from 1984 until 2021, uh, you really want to accomplish something. What are you most proud of that you did accomplish as a broadcaster? Oh, I, it, it, it would have to, I'd be lying if I didn't say uh, being uh, a part of the Monday night football uh, telecast for 12 years. Uh, that was a, that is a long run as an analyst uh, uh, on any uh, level, but I, and I just want to say this, uh, I'm very proud of the fact that I did Monday night football when it was Monday night football. And, uh, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. It, uh, it, we were, we were what the NFL is trying to make Sunday night football into. Now we, we had the best game every week, every week we had the highest rated game. Uh, we were, uh, we were still must see TV, uh, when I was doing Monday night football and I'm, I'm immensely proud of that. Well, it's a, a well-deserved Hall of Fame career. And as you know, because I, I text you during your games, I try to make it into my car when Michigan is playing so that uh, I, I can hear Dan Deardorff's analysis because you're the best I ever heard. And I've really enjoyed your broadcasting career. And I've enjoyed your mentorship and having my back as a broadcaster as well. You, I'm, I'm proud of the fr- fact that well, uh, you're a friend. Thank you, Randy. You and I go way back. <laughs> yeah, we do. Here's, here's Chuck from Edwardsville. <laughs> See, we have uh, you and I have been friends for decades, and Randy, I'm proud of you and what you've accomplished. Uh, you didn't. Uh, I mean, you started the old-fashioned way on the other side of the glass, and uh, how far you've come, it's given me a great deal of a uh, great deal of pleasure. Great, thank you. Say hi and to by Debbie. The way, the one thing I feel confident now in my advancing years, I finally figured out who's winning the faceoff. <laughs> yeah, if the puck goes backward, it's the guy that shot it backward. He won it. <laughs> Honest to God, in the beginning, I thought the, the object was to get it to go forward. It was, it was a, 
It was a very deflating moment in my life when Dan Kelly said that I had no clue what I was talking about. But he was right. Yeah, he was always right. Dan, you're the best. Tell Debbie we said hi and have a happy Thanksgiving. All right. Uh, Same to you. Thanks, Randy.